Come on. This episode is brought to you by Money Alignment Academy. If you are looking for a financial wellness platform for your company, your organization, and your employees, check out moneyalignmentacademy.com or click on the link in the notes of the show. Strong, the powerful David Keller has returned. Welcome back, Dave. Thanks, George. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you. Dave is a CMT. He is the chief market strategist at stockcharts.com. He's the president at Sierra Alpha Research, and he is the host of the Final Bar Show. Excited to have you back on, Dave. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Absolutely. So I my, my career has evolved a couple of times. I've been in the financial industry for about 21 years, but really the focus for the last you know couple of years has really been for active investors, particularly individual investors, and empowering them to make better decisions. Um, what, what I've seen over the last uh, couple of years is an influx of new investors, you know, trying to invest for the first time, trying to take control of their, uh, of their money and actively invest. And, and there are great opportunities with that, but also great challenges, great risks. And uh, what I do with stock charts and with my own uh, firm, my, my YouTube channel, Market Misbehavior, is try to help people understand why they think certain ways, how they think about their money, how they interact with the uh, financial markets, and, and hopefully how to develop good routines and, uh, and mindful practices to make better decisions. And it's been a lot of fun to see people find success, uh, you know, building an understanding of the markets. That's what I think uh, gets, me, gets me going every day. Nice. Well, I appreciate all that. And fascinating time from 500 different for, – for, for a million different reasons, right? But certainly <laughs> it seems like there's this massive new interest and influx of people who are – said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take advantage of technology or what do you attribute that to of, of all these new investors coming into coming into the markets? Well, so there are a lot of similarities right now with about, you know, 20 some years ago, the, the, the left side of the technology bubble, sort of the late 90s, um, where which is when I started investing and you had an influx of people uh, with, you know, because the markets had done well, because the economy was doing well, all of a sudden you have money to invest now it's a little different arguably the, the economy is is or is not doing well depending on how you think of it but uh, what is happening is people are getting stimulus checks and they're 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 you know having an influx of capital in the short term and are looking for something to to do with it what's what's interesting now is you have the rise of social media 20 some years ago it was message boards and things like that right. that got people sort of plugged in this is sort of the new version of that there's twitter and reddit and other places where people can feel this community, this tribe of people that are also taking charge and, uh, and entering the markets for the first time. So what's great is the barriers to entry, the opportunities for individual investors are better than they've ever been. It's easier and cheaper to trade stocks and ETFs than it ever was. The problem is, I think a lot of people are thinking about the reward side, which is good, but not enough time thinking about the risk side. <laughs> and investing is about managing those two things. What is my potential reward and what's my potential risk? And what I hope we're able to do, what I try to do with uh, with clients and with our, our customers is try to help them understand both sides of it, that there's a reward component and a risk component. And I think that's where there's an opportunity for a lot of people to upgrade what they're trying to do. Yeah, I, I appreciate all that. So many things I want to ask you about. I, I, yeah. I want to have huge conversations about 
you know, just active versus passive. I want to talk about yeah. the 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 wonderful attributes of community, and then the awful things mm-hmm. that, that that kind of come along with that. Um. So, what are you more interested in talking about? I'll go anywhere you want, George. Those, those are both key topics. That that first one, active versus passive, is a is a classic debate, and it's something I've heard since I. I mean, I entered the industry in two thousand, really. And, uh, you know, at that time, ETFs were still kind of early on and not as widespread, although they were becoming more popular. Um, but it's I mean, it's been a dramatic change, probably the biggest change that I've seen in the industry since I've been there, besides cryptocurrencies and many other things we could probably list off. But yeah. just the rise in ETFs and the ability of the levers that an individual investor can pull now are, are greater and there's more opportunity than ever before. That's all good. Um, you know, when I think about active versus passive, I think the way you phrased it is exactly how we think of the question. We think of that probably incorrectly. It, it shouldn't be active versus passive. It shouldn't be an either or. It should be active and passive, right? What are the times when actively managed products or services make sense to me? What are the times when passive products are sort of good enough? And what I generally tell people, and again, I, we don't have time to get too much into the details. I tend to advocate sort of the core and explore model. And, uh, and uh, a friend of mine, Gaddis Rose, sort of popularized, popularized that, um, that particular way of phrasing it. And it's sort of like you have, a, you have a core position. The thing, the money you don't need to be accessing, your retirement money, things that you just want to grow over time. And these are things that, you know, really it's a core portfolio. Most likely is going to be a passive product unless there is some active product that gives you an opportunity, gives you exposure, diversification that you couldn't get otherwise. But it's pretty rare these days. And then you have an explore component, which is the way that you can actively look for ideas, which means you can jump into the next Bitcoin or whatever it is that you want to do because you think there's a great opportunity and you think you have an edge over others. And if that works, that's great. But if not, it doesn't completely ruin you. And I think a lot of people just have their whole portfolio as an explore model. And that is a dangerous way to be operating. So I think I think thinking of it as not active or passive, but active and passive and what makes sense i think is a much more holistic way to think about the question if that makes sense yeah that, that that makes all sense in the world but no david i want binary i want yes or no <laughs> i want winners and losers man <laughs> that's enough that's enough nuance for our time today thank you, <laughs> you corn explorer corn explorer is awesome I like I've, I've not heard that term before but i think it makes all sense in the world um it is that hmm it's like when 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 I think back to to my twenties when I started opening up you know uh, brokerage accounts and buying individual stocks and then I can think about how I lost a ton of money doing that. Um, <laughs> is it are, are are you hoping to 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 get people past that of having the personal pain so they can just actually learn it without having to go through it or do we just need that pain on our own so that i was going to say that is a very idealistic way that would be nice but i tell you <laughs> any successful investor i've ever worked with and i've had the chance to work with incredibly successful guys like peter lynch and will danoff and joel tilling as money managers who have had decades of success Every single one of them and any individual I've ever met, including myself, has a painful early lesson that they learned. And, you know, people always joked on the trading floors that was your tuition. You didn't need a, a, an MBA to go on the trading floor. Your tuition was learning those painful lessons. They were expensive. <laughs> That's how you earned the right to have a longer career. So I, as much as I, I wish people did not have to you know, lose money, what I always tell people, especially students, is now is the time when there aren't a lot of zeros connected to your accounts to to have make mistakes but what i try to help people do is is learn from those mistakes what 
we like to do psychologically, sort of behaviorally, is push aside painful experiences and sort of look on to the next thing. All right, what's the next GameStop or AMC or Litecoin or Litecoin or Dogecoin or whatever it's going to be that's going to go vertical and make me a ton of money? Um, but what I try to advocate people to do is have a good conversation with yourself about what has gone well and what has not gone well, and particularly focus on some of those uh, some of those things that that did not go well. Um, one of my mentors as an investor always said, "What." What did you screw up and what did you learn from it? And having that conversation regularly as an investor is really, really uh, the opportunity for you to grow, I would argue. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And there's another great, great, uh, great uh, term right there or phrase. Tuition is, is, or rather the losses are the tuition that you need to pay those, <laughs> those, those, those painful lessons. So I wish it wasn't true, also, David. But 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 that that, that seems like that's that that's that, that, that that's maybe it. So you mentioned being mindful and mm. being able to to then look backwards and say, okay, you know what, this this seemed to really go well, and I enjoyed it, and this did not go the way that I expected to. It wasn't that much fun. Um, how else does 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 mindfulness play into to being a successful trader or investor? Yeah, it's a really good question, George. And I think to be honest with you. Um, the investors that I've worked with that have been successful and I think have a good sense of what they're doing have great self-awareness. It's not necessarily an awareness of what's happening outside their head. It's an awareness of what's happening inside their head. And the toughest conversation I think most investors have to make and arguably most individuals, most human beings, is having an honest conversation with the voice inside your head. That voice can be the most negative thing. It probably often is the most negative voice you're going to hear, reinforcing bad habits and behaviors. And so, you know, I think the the best investors and, and the people that have a good sense of things are ones that understand their strengths and understand their weaknesses and have a, a regular way, whether it's mindful meditation, whether it's journaling, whatever it is, um, to to expose some of those thoughts and really have an honest conversation with yourself. Know what you are good at and what you are not good at. As an investor, there are things that are going to make sense to you. There are the things that you're going to be naturally good at. Maybe you're good at identifying opportunities and seeing the next thing that's coming. That's great. So focus your you know, approach around that. But then you're probably also not so good at things. Maybe you're not as good as understanding the risk associated with it. You're not you know, good at thinking about how you should be allocating your assets around different bets. And so you need to surround yourself with people and resources and routines to help address those weaknesses. So again, the most successful investors I've seen, uh, you know, and again, I think of it as a very mindful exercise they have an honest conversation with themselves and they know what they're good at. They know their strengths, they know their weaknesses. They you know, leverage their strengths and they find ways to minimize their weaknesses. That I think is a really successful way to invest in, and, and arguably to live as well. Yeah. Amen. I love it. So for that 20 uh, something who has some money and they're interested in, in getting started with investing, if you could design or just counsel them and say, Hey, Here's a great way. There's no perfect way to to get coached up, to get educated, to find the right people and the right resources and the right routines, even the right platforms or the wrong ones. How do you how do you counsel that person? <laughs> so I, yeah, no, it's it's a really good question. I think you know the good thing about what's happening recently, uh, when you think of you know <clears throat> different apps that you can use, and uh, you can you know with minimal zero cost, zero commissions, really, you can access trade stocks very easily. I think that's all positive. I think that's an encouraging sign. That's, that's very empowering for individuals. But I think the gamification of trading sort of takes some of the seriousness out of it. And that's good in some ways, but it's also 
kind of a challenge. I, you know, investing, if done correctly, a lot of times is pretty boring. It should be. And I think if if you treat investing as gambling, if you're looking at it as the Wild West speculation, uh, that that provides great opportunity, but also a lot of pain. And 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 being thoughtful about how much you're using that sort of, you know, the excitement part, I think of that as the explore part of your portfolio, like that's good, but have an awareness of how much of it that really is. And then the core part of it should be fairly boring, should be very disciplined and should be very systematic. Um, you know, so, you know, there are a lot of the good news is there are more resources now available to individual investors, more information than ever, which is good. I would advocate not following financial media blindly. I think things like financial television have a place, but uh, I think a lot of people misuse it. They tend to use it as, you know, and follow whatever they hear and treat experts as, you know, experts in your own, uh, you know, investing. And they're not, they're experts in their own thing. You need to be an expert in your own uh, your own decision making. So using financial media and things you watch and read online as a way to, you know, help you think about your own process, I think that's good. Replacing your own due diligence by something you read or hear, I think is a really quick way to lose money. Um, so, you know, for, for me, I, you know, I work at stockcharts.com. We have free resources called Chart School, where basically we start you from scratch. Here's how the markets work. Here's how to think about it. Here's what trends mean. Here's what's working. Here's what isn't. And, you know, start with tools and then build on education and, and, uh, and, and reinforcement along the way to help people make sense of it. So I, I hope people take advantage of their opportunities to invest, but also take advantage of educational resources that are really out there that, uh, that could allow you to make better decisions. Yeah, amen. I know that I can certainly speak from personal experience watching CNBC or whatever it was, uh, watching Fast Money back in the day and watching Kramer all the time. Is Fast Money still a thing? It is, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, but I, and, and actually making stock buying decisions based on what they were talking about and then subsequently <laughs> losing tons of money based on what they were talking about. So, but that's, you know, if, if, if you don't know any better, then, then you don't know any better. And I didn't know any better. And I didn't, you know, so the more that, that you can educate and take advantage of these resources, that's obviously um, nothing but a good thing. When you say routine, what does that mean? Right. So I, I think what you sort of mentioned, I mean, that, that sort of example that you gave, right, you see something on TV and then you trade and you think, all right, perfect. This is the next thing. I got it. That's not that is a very, you know, haphazard way of it. not to throw you under the bus. No. Or, but you know the story. So thousand they're, percent. They're, yeah. I mean, that, that is that is what a lot of people do. And they don't do that exact thing necessarily. But that's sort of the level of rigor that they that they apply to their decisions. And, you know, again, working with financial advisors and, and professional investors, what they do is they have a set of routines and they don't budge from them. So I have what I call a morning coffee routine. And before we started recording this, which is, you know, morning for, for both of us, you know, I have a, I got the cup of coffee, I sit down and I have a set of things that I look at every single morning. I go the same set of information. And this helps me, you know, for me as a, as a market strategist, I'm looking at stocks and bonds and interest rates and commodities and the dollar and global markets and, and trying to just understand what's happening so that I can make sense of it and see how it fits into the long-term picture that I'm trying to solve for people. Uh, and then I have a weekly routine. For me, it starts every Thursday and I have a set of things I look at every Thursday evening. Friday morning, I write a note to my clients and I do it the same way every week. I have the same routine on uh, Sunday evening, looking at some stocks, Monday morning, and, and I do the same thing every week. And so it's not a haphazard, let me see if I can find something to buy right now, my ideas and my perspective come from a consistent routine that 
I've built over many, many years and that I follow uh, religiously. And so, and again, the, the successful investors I've worked with, successful advisors that, you know, have consistent performance that is that is good uh, are ones that have good routines. And so I, I think for individuals, you have to remember that when you buy individual stocks, you are taking on a ton of responsibility to be very aware of that company and what they are doing, which is why things like ETFs and passive products are a really good solution for a lot of individuals because you don't have the time or energy that you need or that you want to commit to understand those uh, those investments very well. But whatever you do, make sure you have a routine to revisit you know, what, what you've bought and what you've sold and think about how am I positioned and does that make sense right now? And it doesn't have to be every minute, it doesn't have to be every day, but make sure there's a consistent pattern to it. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's so key, and, and and really to 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 help you to be successful in in every aspect of life, and to remove friction, yeah. and not having to have some kind of a heroic act because you're not doing it consistently. <laughs> it's quite the opposite, right? It's that discipline, equally and freedom thing, where I know that I've already done my work because I, I I I do the same thing on a weekly basis, and this is what I do on Thursdays, and this is what I do on Sundays, kind of a thing. So it really yeah. does free you up and positions yourself for, for, for success, whatever the world and market throws at you. <laughs> That's exactly right. And it's funny, I think, uh, you know, I mentioned just risk versus reward. I think what routines do, especially with a portfolio, if you have an investment portfolio, having a regular time when you revisit, all right, what am I still, what do I own right now? Does that still make sense versus what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing and what my analysis is telling me? Uh, and, and again, the successful investors I've worked with it's not because they hit a bunch of home runs. It's not because they picked the next big thing and that one thing is what propelled them. Those are the stories that we read about because it's great sensational you know, uh, information, makes a great story. But the really successful investors are the ones that don't lose consistently. They find ways to, we have, they always, we have, you know, as investors, a, a, a statement people make is let your winners run and cut your losses. So they find ways that to stick with things that are working and to get out of things that aren't working. And I find a lot of, uh, um, you know, investors that struggle, they, uh, they let their uh, small losses become large losses. It's always said all large losses begin as small losses, you know, before something completely ruins you. It's a beginning, it's just a small sort of loss and catching things when it's just a little bit painful and not a complete rupture of your portfolio is really the game. And I successful long term investors are, are ones that are able to manage that downside risk pretty consistently. So I, I think that's where a lot of a lot of people, a lot of investors can uh, can upgrade their game. Love it. What is the uh, what is the plaque behind you say, David? Good eye. This one back here. Yeah. So it yeah, appears so to I'll be in French. You, it's, it's a it's a French phrase. It's uh, loin des yeux, loin du corps, and it's uh, my daughter's taking French. We're homeschooling my seventh grade daughter this year, which is an awesome adventure. Um, it's a challenge, but I think my wife and I are growing, uh, you know, in a lot of ways because of it, and we're having a great time. Uh, but she's taking French, and we both took French in school, so we're all reviewing it. And that is the French version of out of sight, out of mind. Uh, and what I love about it in French is they actually say, away from your eyes, away from your heart. Hmm. So sort of a different way of uh, phrasing it. So my the part you can't see in my office, it's all the things that are really important to me besides the back here are sort of here right in eyesight. So when I get sort of stressed out, I look over here, and it's things like breathe, balance, <laughs> words, you know. I have like a... 72 point font on a piece of paper all the things i need to remember to stay centered they're sort of so i'm i'm trying to uh, practice what i'm showing on the uh on the thing i mean hold <laughs> it together dave <laughs> don't right? freak out man 
There it is. There's there's the thing. Breathe. It's on my monitor too. I have it in two places in my office. Yeah. No, I, mean, <laughs> I think I think that those yep. fundamental truths right there. You got to remember to breathe. You know, and and if if sometimes if we're in the middle of it, we have a tendency to forget that. So, right. I love it. <laughs> Oh, Dave, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Absolutely, I'm, I, and this has been so much fun. I, I've uh, I've really enjoyed I've really enjoyed the the conversation, George. And I appreciate very much what you what you do. You know, I when I when I think about a lot of the conversations you have, it's a lot about. Um, I mentioned uh, the word balance. I think for me, you know, in the financial industry, when people think about success, I think how you define that word is probably the most important thing you can do. And I, and I found a lot of people that I've worked with and continue to work with, unfortunately for them, success is a dollar amount or a number of followers. And I will tell you, there's no dollar amount you will get to that. It feels like enough. And there's no number. If you get to a million followers, you're going to want 1.1 million. Like there's just no end to it. And so, you know, talking with a therapist years ago, you know, she helped me see that, you know, what is success for you? It's not a professional accomplishment, it's balance. For me, you know, success is balance, it's flexibility, it's being able to have the time to do the things that I want to do uh, with the time that I have. And so, you know, it, it is very difficult, especially as an entrepreneur, you can probably, you know, ag agree with this. It's difficult because what you, you, you see other entrepreneurs that go all in and all they do is live and breathe their business and they work all weekend and I'm sure they grow it aggressively. And I, that is something that is very tempting, but I think you need to resist that temptation. And for me, I have balance, in, and I'm not kidding, it's right there, <laughs> to remind me that I, it's my, my goal is not to overgrow my business or to grow to a certain amount or success level there. For me, success is having the right balance, and, and it's all about what goalposts you're, you're looking for. So that, that, I hope, is the tip that people keep in mind. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Dave, thank you so much for coming back on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you? Yeah, I appreciate it, Jordan. Thanks again for what you're doing. I, I love uh, I love what you do. I, I've enjoyed uh, hearing what you talk about with other guests as well. I For me, stockcharts.com, I'm the chief market strategist there. So if you're trying to learn how to make better decisions and understand the markets in a disciplined way, I hope you'll check it out. We have a, an on-demand live streaming network called uh, stockchartstv.com. You can check it out there. A lot of good content to help you uh, understand what's happening. Uh, my own business is called Market Misbehavior, so look me up on YouTube. I do a lot of uh, videos uh, to challenge people to think about how they think as an investor, as a human being, because uh, I think there's a lot of ways you can apply mindfulness lessons to your life and to your portfolio. And then finally on Twitter, at DKellerCMT. Uh, check me out there. Perfect. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show David your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to stockcharts.com. Check out the great resources that David's working on. Check out stockchartstv.com. Check out Market Misbehavior on YouTube. And then you can also find Dave on Twitter. I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Dave. Thank you, George. Stay safe, all right? You too. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.